All right, First Samuel. Going to a familiar passage today, and I have uh, um, <laughs> this goes every once in a while. I get an idea, start writing, and realize I have old notes that go with it, and then so we'll see how notes on top of notes go today. But uh, I had to pull out one of my old Bibles to uh, follow some of my information, but, but I want to give a thought on a familiar story. Um, we're going to read some of it uh, for time, and, uh, and my, uh, um, my, my reading ability at the moment, I'm not going to read the entire um, passage. Um, Psalms 7, 1 Samuel, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 17. If you back up a little bit of 16, you see some, back, chapter 16, you see some background. And then go a little bit of chapter 18, it comes together. And this is a story of famous David and Goliath. And uh, so as we're, as we're looking, there's a couple thoughts I want to pull out as we see the character of David. Of course, the, 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 uh, the most famous part or how this story is used, of course, the, when, it, when you, sometimes in Sunday school or things, we'll talk with little children and, and just, hey, you know, David trusted God and, and David, the little guy, untrained, defeated the big giant and, and that's all a fun story. And then, and then uh, sometimes people take it and try to use it as an illustration. You know, we have giants in our life and God wants to help us to feed them and, and, and all that as long as that's looked at as an illustration I don't think that's that's wrong but but I want to dig in a little deeper to a couple thoughts on how to make this personal and uh, uh, some of the thoughts so we have here if you back up in Samuel 17 you find uh, um, the father he had several brothers in the army uh, father Jesse brought David out and sent David to take some food and things and go check on his brothers in the, in the army. And, and uh, so they're, they're there. Of course, this is all under King Saul. If you back story, there's some story background there. King Saul, the first king of Israel. Of course, God didn't want him to have a king. God gave in to their, their complaining and, and whining, kind of gave Israel what they want. And, and it's always a danger. And, and I'll just say this, because it does apply to our life, is, is uh, got them in a lot of trouble for a lot of years. If you follow some of the kings throughout the history of Israel, and uh, it, it's, it's always a danger when you're in a place where something's unique and different and in a way could apply to America and, and you see God bless over the years and, and all the blessings that have gone on and then Israel got in a bad place and, and thought it'd be better and wanted to be like every other nation. All the way through Bible, that's exactly what God told them not to do. And uh, we, when we started, and, and some things, um, there's nothing wrong with looking at someone uh, from another country or another government. They got, if there's something that's right and something that actually is working, there's nothing wrong with looking at that. We get ideas from all over the place. But, uh, but in this case, in the structure of God, how God wanted to work with people and the communication and relationship with God and what God's law was, um, God, God did not set up for them to have a king. That's not what God wanted. And uh, so they said, and God gave in and, and gave them Saul. And uh, 
So, so Saul, this is one of his first battles. We, we don't realize that. Of course, we see the story drawn out afterwards. Now that David's on the scene and, and all the interactions with, with Saul's jealousy and, and watching David. Is, and uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. The human mind and heart and spirit is an amazing thing. This would be a good place for study. We've talked a lot about peace and uh, what to think on and how to have peace and how to apply those things. But, but you just look at the human attitude and heart here. If you follow Saul, Saul was the first king of Israel. He's almost saying, I know God told Samuel to go anoint him and, and God directed that, of course. But as far as Saul's life was concerned... He was, you know, he had no right. He was the first king. You know, the prophet showed up and said, God wants you to be king and we're going to anoint you. You're king now. And, and he was just thrown into it. Now that he's into it, he's going to later become jealous of David. Is that, How do you get jealous of something God just gave you? And, uh, and, and it's just amazing turn of how God works and, and, and the anger and, and, and bitterness and things that developed in Saul's life as, uh, as they, they grow on, on what could have been a great blessing. And, uh, but anyway, we, we see a little bit of that starting, and, and I'm not trying to be, in this passage, I'm not trying to be too hard on Saul in the sense of one aspect we're going to look at, but his duty as a king um, he should have been leading this battle. Now, part of it, was he really just a coward and afraid and, and all that? Eh, maybe. But part of it, understand that, that uh, um, <laughs> this is his first time, his first big battle. He's a new king. He's never been king. He wasn't taught. What, what I mean is, when a king, when, when, when that goes on, they train their children and, and, and both education and, and the things and, and how to be a king and how to interact with people and how to fight battles and, and how Saul was the first king of Israel. He wasn't taught any of that. God just picked him, hey, you're going to be king. And, and uh, he didn't have that kind of background. So um, not saying he shouldn't have done his job, but there was a lot going on in Saul that, that he's making decisions when he wasn't always certain what he was deciding. And uh, so um, I, I just want to throw that out there as a thought uh, that doesn't excuse his action or inaction, but that's a thought just understanding some of the background. So, so we have Saul. So David's here on the scene, and we're, we're in 1 Samuel 17, and... We're, we're, let's start in verse 23. Find it over here so I can read it. Let's back up a little farther. David, let's see. Keep her. And he talked, yeah, verse 23. 1 Samuel 17, verse 23. And as he talked with them, he was talking with his brethren there, if you back up. As he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion of the Philistine of Gath. Goliath by name out of the armies of the Philistines and spoke according the same words and David heard them. So if you back up, he's, he's criticized, not just criticizing Israel. It's one thing for an enemy. You know, we see it in competitions and things. You know, we call it, you know, say he's trash talking Israel and making fun of their army. But he included making fun of their God. That's what caught David's attention. It's one thing to say something to me as a personal thing. But, but when it comes in this setting, it came into that Goliath was making fun of their God. 
And uh, so that that's where that's where the the story that's where it starts. So David heard it, and he starts questioning. Hey guys, why, why aren't you doing something? Wait, what's going on here? And uh, like, why are you allowing this? And uh, sometimes we see how his brother just turned on David, and uh, we we see the. It said they had fled. Notice verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. Now, again, this being an early battle, they never, Israel never really had an army before. And what, what I mean by that is when they came out of Egypt, they, they wandered in the wilderness um, because the old generation didn't trust God. God waited. So this young generation going across the, the, the river and they went into battle and they did it God's way. They marched around Jericho. They, they weren't really an army. They kind of formed as an army because, okay, it's time to go. God's telling us to go, and we're going to go do this thing, and, and figure it out. They were not a trained, organized army. And, and then we see other times throughout Israel's history. Gideon, for example. Gideon had to gather up men uh, to go to the battle they were going to. There was no, there, there was no formal, structured army that, that was going. So this, this it appears to be the first time we now have a king. We now have an army. We're going standing against a valley, looking at an enemy army, and, and they're going. And the Philistines actually have, have been a bother to Israel for many, many years. Um, there's not a lot in the Bible about them, but we do know if you go back to Exodus when they're coming out of Egypt, the reason God took them down, which I believe of multiple reasons, some to teach them and teach them to trust God and the crossing of the Red Sea was a big teaching moment, a big deal for Israel. But that was because it says in there, if you go back and read in Exodus, you'll find that they could have had a much, much shorter route possibly by hundreds of miles. I looked up the numbers once. I don't remember them. But uh, they, they could have went north above the Sinai Peninsula and gone straight into Israel. But instead, God said the, the, that they would have had to gone by the way of the Philistines and that battle would have scared them and they would have turned back to, to Egypt. God knew their heart and knew they couldn't handle the Philistine. In other words, it mentions here in Samuel that uh, Goliath was a soldier from earth. That's what they did. That's how the Philistines live. They live for the fight. They live for battle. And, and, and that's all they knew from the time their children are trained to fight. And, and Israel, even back in Exodus, God knew that they wouldn't be able to handle that. So this is the first encounter as a formal battle that we see in the Bible with Israel going against the Philistines. And uh, so, so the men are afraid. But notice it says, and all the men of Israel when they saw the man fled from him and were so afraid. Now, now imagine, there's a, I guess, a certain element, try to give them a benefit of the doubt in the sense, okay, I wasn't there. You know, we don't know everything going on, maybe. But it's interesting that one man came out, because this man's a giant, one man came out, did, did a little bit of trash talk, and every single man in Israel was afraid and, and fled from him. And uh, so that, that's, that's where we're at as he goes. So they have the conversation here. And David spake, verse 26, to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? 
For who is a uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Notice David's attitude here. Um, he, he's not trying to be a tough guy. He didn't come there to fight. He's a shepherd. He came to bring something to his brothers. And, and he's saying, he's like, wait a minute, guys. Um, he's talking about your God. Well, why, why is this okay? Why is he say, he said, what shall be done? You know, whether reward or whatever he said. But notice the word. He said, killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel. You see, David's view of God was that, hey, God can protect us. God's going to take care of this. And, and sometimes, if we're not careful, uh, we start looking at, well, that's not how the world really works. And, 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 and we start getting all these excuses instead of trusting God for the details in our life. And, and we stop looking at God to take care of us. And we stop looking at, remember the history, Israel knew. You go back in the crossing of the Red Sea, remember when the Egyptian army saw, it's amazing. I, I don't know what to make of it on the, on the army seeing something that was so amazing. They're, stopped, they're chasing Israel. They watched the Red Sea part. They watched the whole nation of Israel cross on dry land. And, and, and somewhere in that, either... Scared, I don't know if they're scared, <laughs> what they thought, but the Egyptian army followed into the sea to try to cross and go after them. I, I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, that, that would have been an amazing thing. Now, Israel saying, no, God did this for us so we could cross is one thing, but the Egyptian army heading into that same parted sea. But the phrase there, the, the wording is that God, it said they knocked the wheels off their chariots so they couldn't move, so they could sit there for a minute, so that they knew God did it. So word would get back to Egypt, so they knew that Israel's God was the real God. You'll find that often, that trend. See, in the New Testament, in the church, we have what, what we call the after Christ, after he died, died, was buried, he rose again. We have, as we give the gospel, it falls on us as a church, to give the gospel to the world, uh, to go preach. And we have missionaries like Paul and, and then Peter. And, and the, the, the communication is from the word of God to say this is what Christ did to give to other people. Now, here's the difference. Now, salvation in the sense of believing God never changed. But the tone of the Old Testament is all focused on Israel and proving who God is. The emphasis was leading up to Christ. It all pointed to Christ. The details in the sacrifices, the details in the temple, the, the, what they look forward to, the example, if you will, when, when Abraham took Isaac up and, and was going to sacrifice them and God provided a lamb and, and there's all the way through the Old Testament things point to Christ. And then we have the gospel at the time where Christ was here. And then now that we're living after Christ, it's the gospel side that we have proof. We have history. Uh, we have the word of God. We point to what Christ did as, as that difference of gospel. Here is a setting back in the Old Testament is the time you have the nation of Israel that the rest of the world knew was God's chosen people and knew that they served a different God. And the emphasis was on proving who their God is. 
the, I, I believe one of the reasons for that is, is most of the other nations were want, worshiping false idols. They had their own religion. They had their own pagan practices. That they had that it had to distinguish between all the fake gods in the region and that part of the world. Uh, I, I mean, the Philistine. They're going to battle. Is this Philistine wants to come out and make fun of their living God? And they're talking about a, 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 peop, a group of people that worship uh, their God as a statue of a fish. And, and that's the difference, but, he, but they want. So David's coming out and saying, hey, what shall be done to take taketh away the reproach from Israel? What I believe he's calling that reproach is this guy came out and defied the armies of God. He, he, he made fun of their God and, and, and the, the armies of them serving God. And, and then David watched all of the men scared of this one guy and run away. Um, now, I understand somewhat in a physical sense. Remember, these are not trained soldiers. This is their first king. This is the first record we know of of an organized army in Israel. Um, so I understand, and, and a Philistine, knowing that they've been trained from birth and they're a giant, I, I, I get some of the fear is legitimate, but they, had, they knew their God. They knew their history. They're Israel. Um, they, they, they knew what God can do, and David's saying, hey, this, this isn't right. He's making fun of God, and you run away? Um, what, what, something's wrong here. So he, he said, what shall be done? He said, notice he taketh away the reproach from Israel. Sometimes we have that in, in our society today when we see all the, the political pressures or the society pressures or everyone wants to get along and conform. And certainly my goal isn't to make enemies, but, but God is still God. And this book is still the word of God. And this is still right, no matter what anyone thinks. And, and there's a place that we have to look at the world and say, hey, we're just not doing it that way. And, and uh, so I, I'm not trying to be against people, but historically, um, if we conform to the world, <laughs> that's what uh, Romans in 12.2 talks about, and be not conformed to this world. Is, is that part of it? So David looked and saw this picture and saw Goliath uh, talking and said, hey, what, what, uh, <laughs> um, what's going on here? So the, uh, so the people answered, verse 27, after this manner, saying, "So shall it be done to the um, done to the man that killeth him." And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. He said, "Why camest thou down hither? And and whom hast thou left the, those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the, the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle." And uh, so his older brother is, is getting on him, calling him pride. And it's interesting, I've noticed that when I've gone against people, not like, again, but uh, an issue, uh, a subject, maybe it's a social thing or a government thing or, or Bible, and, and I'll say, hey, this is the Bible, this is what's right, this is what we have to do. And, and I've had people turn on me and try to tell me I'm being prideful. It's like, how am I being prideful telling you what God said? And that's how people think. It's not a new thing. It's not a new idea. And uh, so he came, he's looking at this, and, and notice that is not, um, that's not pride. If you go real quick, we're going to come right back. Hold your place. We're coming right back to uh, 1 Samuel 17. But, but over in Psalm 118, um, Psalm 118.
Verse 8, it says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. And uh, so, and it goes on talks about, and then better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. In other words, this army, this is Eli, it's interesting. Uh, David's brother is getting on him for, hey, you just want to come see the battle. You're just, wow, well, you're not doing your job. What are you doing here? Why are you talking about taking this guy down? What do you, and, and, and it's like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> you're scared. You're not doing it. Um, it needs to be done based on God's word. It's, he talked about the reproach of Israel and, you know, the history of Israel and, and, and you know who your God is and, and, and all this. And he said, if you're not doing it, why are you upset with me? Because I want to do it. And, 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 it's, and, and Eliab is the one that called David uh, prideful. In, in other words, we, we see this then, but they got, hey, we got a king now. Remember, Israel, we back up a little bit. Saul being the first king, we got a king now. We're like everyone else. We're going to be strong. Um, we're going to be respected. Uh, we're going to go. And, and all of a sudden, uh, their first battle comes along and everyone runs away. Everyone's scared and they don't have leaders. So someone comes along, hey, um, what about God's way? Um, I, I, I know you're trying. I know you think you want to get along and, and, and you want to be like everyone else. But what about God's way? And, and, and David's the ones that shut down and, uh, and, and said, so they, they're coming. It's, it's not praying. You can't trust in the system. It's not about trusting government. I understand we have to have a government and there's biblical and there's a way to do it right. And, but that's why in America we have the constitution and things that run it. There's a place for that. I mean, we, we, we need, you know, we need police and we need to, we need the structure. The government is not bad as an entity. Uh, the problem is when we, we, we let them not, I mean, they're doing their job wrong or cry, hold them to task on, on that issue. But the, the real issue is where's our trust at? Um, we, we've gotten comfortable with all the things, you know, uh, the government are taxed to pay for fire departments and pay for police departments and, and, and all these things. And we get relaxed, even though they're good things, we, we, we get too relaxed. We start trusting in those things instead of trusting in God. And uh, so that's kind of David's view here is not to trust. Proverbs chapter 3. We're to Proverbs chapter 3. Let's go to verse 25, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 25. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of desolation of the wicked when it cometh. Doesn't that apply where, where David's standing in this battle and looking at this champion giant? Verse 26, for the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. And uh, so where is our confidence? Where is our faith? Let's go back to 1 Samuel and... Uh, Um, first Sam. So well, we got this. Then, then the famous verse kind of people look at after all this, and I've heard all kinds of different sermons on it. And, and it's a good thought, but I want to, I want to mention this and then move on and we'll circle back 
And in virtue, so that's the that's the kind of his brother just got on him, said, "Pride, you're you're not doing your your job. You should be at home with the sheep and and all this." Verse twenty nine. And David said, "What have I now done? Is there not a cause?" Now I'm going to come back. I've heard all kinds of sermons, and they're good. I, I think it's good. What what is our cause, and 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 how we apply that to our life? But I, but I want to circle back to one in context, and still needs to be on our thought. So so he he said there. He said, "What have I done?" He said, "What what what, what did I do? What what did I do wrong?" You're saying prideful. You're you know all, all this stuff. His brother's railing on him. He said, "What have I now done?" And then he said, um, "Is there not a cause?" And uh, so we're going to circle back to that thought in a little while. Um, skip down. So now he's saying he's come. They took him to Saul in verse 31. Verse 32, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail. Um, notice that phrase. He said, hey, king, this little shepherd boy <laughs> coming into the king, he said, he said, let no man's heart fail because of him. Uh, thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. He said, he said, everyone calm down. He said, don't be afraid. I'll, I'll go take care of this. And, and, and that's what he's telling the king. Imagine the thought. So here, here's the thing. I, I believe there's a thing. And, and I, I don't want to read into it. But because we have the Bible and because we have the whole story, we later know what Saul turns into. Uh, we, we later know what his attitude becomes. So this, this might be a star. This might be an indicator. If this is all I had about Saul, I might give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt. But since we know the outcome, we can look back and say, man, maybe something's starting here. Maybe the thing about being king got to him a little bit. And that happens. We notice later, almost every one of David's, what we call big sins that got him in trouble, happened to David after he became king. Um, something here got to him. Whether it's just stress and pressure or just carelessness or pride that they think they're somebody, um, whatever it is, there, there's something here that got in a song. Later, we see Saul's bitterness and, 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 and jealousy, all this stuff that Saul became later. And, and here, so here, here's a thought. So David's telling Saul, he said, let no man heart, no man's heart fail because of him. In other words, no one needs to be afraid. I'll go fight the Philistines. And Saul said to David, um, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. There's always somebody that tell you you can't do it. And, and, uh, and, and that's a, there, there's, there's a place in general life, you know, that we can apply that thought. But this is biblical. This is about things God is in control. This is about things God's doing. Remember, the Philistine came and made fun of their God. And, and, and David said, hey, we need that, that reproach needs to be removed. Um, God is God. Is God. God is not. So what the world needs to see is not do. People ask, well, why doesn't God do the same kind of miracles like he did in the Old Testament? Well, why isn't God like parting seas and parting? Well, well, he has us. If you watch a transition throughout history, there's many parts that go into it. Um, people try to divide up the Bible in all different ways, but here, here's a short transition. I said this before, God walked with Adam in the garden physically. After Adam sinned, the flesh could not handle seeing God. God backed off, didn't walk with Adam. God spoke then verbally. Oh, we see that with Adam, Cain, you know, Cain and Abel a little bit. You go into to Noah, building the ark. You got Abraham, so God spoke verbally. Um, then, then later, as it became more of a nation, um, God used 
the, the, had some written down, had the law from Moses, had to add, then God moved to using a prophet. God spoke to the prophet. Now that prophet, you take the message to Israel. And uh, so, and then later there was a short transition of the forerunner of a person verbally um, announcing Christ with John the Baptist. So that brief intermission, then Christ was on earth. The disciples learned directly from Jesus and had the written word of God in the Old Testament. Once Jesus went back to heaven, now we have the apostles continuing that work as they're writing, and it's verbal. We have the complete word of God, and, and we show. So here, here's, here's an example, Old Testament example, of what will come. In other words, God wants to work through us. God wants, wants the world needs to see God in us. God wants to see the, the greatness of, that's why we preach on peace so much. And, and hey, God, the world needs to see that we're different. David here is to the soul, is, is, could, could God have done a miracle like he did maybe with Gideon and just wipe out the enemy army? Sure, God could if he wanted to. But, but at this moment, Israel needed to learn a lesson. They saw Goliath come out. They were all afraid, ran away, and here's David, a shepherd boy, saying, hey, don't, don't worry, king, it's going to be okay, I'll take care of this. Uh, da David wasn't being, being arrogant, he just knew God. He goes on to say, um, he explained to um, the king, he said, David said, I saw that servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of flock. I went after him. I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. The servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. So David, one, knew God was with him. David also apparently had some element of courage on his own. Uh, but he said, hey, I, I, my job was taking care of my father's, my, my father's sheep. And while I was doing it, hey, I had a lot, two different times, a lion and a bear, both different. They came and tried to, tried to take a, a lamb. I just went after him and thrown him. He said, this, this giant's no different. What David's doing, as we explained uh, recently and, and over, faith throughout Bible, you go in Hebrews and see that great chapter of faith and how people live by faith. And, uh, and, and Noah, you know, Noah lived by faith, did by faith, you know, obeyed God and Rahab by faith and Abraham by faith and by over and over by faith, by faith. When you go read their account in the Old Testament, the word faith is never used. Faith is a building off of obedience. A faith is, hey, I obeyed God a little bit here. I did what I was supposed to do over here. Um, I watched God bless. I watched God work. And, and now, as, hey, this bigger thing come, I can trust God because he did it back there. Faith is building that relationship with God based on obedience. So David's looking at saying, hey, I was taking care of my father's sheep, doing what I was supposed to do. And, and, uh, and, and, a, and a lion and a bear, they came, and I just I went after him and... You know, I, I grabbed him, I smote him, <laughs> apparently with his hands, and, uh, and, and took care of it, and I shaved the sheep. said, so this, this giant's no different than that. And, <laughs> and uh, so, the, the, as David is building um, that sheep, so Saul's answer, Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with you. But Saul had to interject. Sometimes people try to interfere with how we serve God. 
Now, it does not mean God throughout has a way. That doesn't mean we can go and do it however we want. Man, over the years, we've seen some strange things with churches we visited or, you know, did work when we preach in prisons and and sometimes in, in those settings, they kind of allow people to have, you know, worship God however they want. And we've seen some weird stuff. And uh, that, that's, that's not bad. Things still have to be done God's way. But God does understand that we're individuals. And, and what I mean when God said, yeah, David, David built the confidence. And, and, and it's not about David's opinion here is, is what I'm getting at. God certainly used David. But David's confidence came from, hey, I was doing what I was supposed to do. A lion came, tried to steal a lamb. I chased down that, that you know, the lion and the, and the bear both. And I, kill, I killed it, came after me, tried to hurt me. I killed the lion. I killed the bear. Um, I, I have that experience with God helping me. This giant's the same thing. He's defying God, and it needs to be dealt with. I, I got God. I got that's that confidence. What I mean is, so David's hooked up with God. David has that confidence with God that we just saw in Proverbs, and and, and David is looking at say, hey, this is no different. I've already tested this in faith. I I, I already know what's going to happen. I already know that how what the outcome's going to be. I'm going. So Saul could have been a couple things. Maybe it was an element of pride still saying that, that hey, I, I want to have a party. You ever have this family member or something happens and there's always that one family member that's, that's a, you know, always near or about them or something, but things happen and they show up and they got to be part even though they know they can't help. And uh, there's a soul's kind of here. He's cowering in his tent. Remember his, his description, he was the largest man in Israel and uh, and king and leader. And he, he didn't know how to calm his man. He didn't know how to help the fear of the, the soldiers. He, he, he didn't know how to be a part. But now David said, I'll go and be fine, you go. And uh, Saul's expecting him to die, uh, apparently, and, and took. So um, Saul took and uh, said, hey, well, since you're going to go, you wear, wear my armor. If you're going to go, I'm going to give you the privilege now of wearing the king's armor and, and, uh, and, and be, and you get to represent me. And David's like, I represent God. He, did, he didn't say that. Dad, David tried. He did try to honor the king to a degree. And uh, so um, Saul armed David with his armor, verse 38. He put the helmet of brass on his head. He also armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded up his sword upon his armor. And he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. I that language in the Bible sometimes we, we miss and, and all these things. And, and I didn't look this up. This isn't a comparison. I just said similar things happen often. When you look at these uh, modern versions and people keep trying to change the Bible, oh, we need easier to read. We need this or that. No, the, the language of the Bible matters. And, and, and this is one of the examples. At, at David it said, hey, I've not proved them. And David put them off. There are things out there, it doesn't matter if it's something we see from friend, family, world, another church is doing, whatever. There's a place for, maybe, we mentioned a while ago when, when I gave the example, looking at other govern, governments and things, there's a place to, okay, maybe that's a good idea. Maybe there's something there to look at. Maybe there's, there's a thought there. Um, but there's a place for, hey, what have we proved to work What's been proven? We know, though, the King James Bible has been proven. 
Um, we know following the word of God, obeying God's word has been proven. Um, I, I know having the right, o, o, obeying God's command, going through, God speaks to us. We may not, this is a big book, and we can study it for the rest of our life, and we'll never know everything in it. That's the wonder of the mystery of um, God's word being the living word. But, but when we know something, when God shows us something, how do we apply it? Or do we ignore it? What do we do with it? We know, we know obeying the word of God works. It's been proven. Um, we, we know the bad. That's what people go and, and, and look at the world. And, well, we want to be like everyone else. Or, or election time comes up and everyone goes into panic mode of, well, at least it's not the other guy. Or, you know, or vote for somebody just because you hate their opponent so much. I mean, that's not, where does that line up with our decision making and how we're supposed to look at things? And just go with what we know has been proven. And, and, and it's, it's, or, or just things in our daily life and interactions with people and, 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 and our approach to going to work and, and, and all the things that are in the Bible. It's, it's, uh, I the kids uh, recently, or over this last year we've looked, it's amazing, uh, when all the, the, the stuff started to talk about the virus and all that stuff, you know, over a year ago now. And, 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 it, and it, it seemed like it took them a bit. It was weird. It wasn't immediate. But it took them a little while, I mean, a couple weeks at least, before they were coming out and talking about, you need to wash your hands. Like, uh, we, I thought we already knew that part. But we didn't know that part because you go back in the Bible and get to one of the first things when God set up the law for Israel, God told them, wash, preach, wash your hands in running water. It's like, we already knew that. And uh, there's so many things through history and science and medicine that, man, if we just followed the word of God, um, we'd have all that stuff figured out. And, and it, it was, uh, it, it's, it's, those kind of, how do we apply? David said, Hey, I cannot go with these for I have not proved them. Notice David, he understands what armor is. He got there was a king's armor. One, it probably didn't fit him because Saul was such a big man, but, but it was just the idea. David was a shepherd. He never wore armor. He, he didn't know what to do with it. It didn't work for him. He wasn't saying the armor was bad or it's wrong to have armor in battle. He just said, I haven't proved them. It's not going to work for me. I need to know what I, I, what is going to work with me and God. This is what I've done before. And he took them off. Put the, he put them on. Took a staff in his hand, shows him five smooth stones out of the brook, and he put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistines. Now, David didn't need five stones. Later, you'll find out uh, uh, Goliath had four brothers, and David went after them later. Um, but, uh, th that's a, but notice the specifics of David knew what worked. He put off Saul's armor said, I this doesn't work. I haven't proved these. This does not work. I'm going to go with what works. But notice that the Bible specifies five smooth stones. David knew what kind of stone he needed in a sling. Any stone will fly. But which ones are going to fly straight? David knew how to make that work. And uh, that, that's something he knew. And uh, so he's going to stick with what um, works and have the right tools um, for... His job. So as he's going down, he goes and uh, 
Philistine, of course, making fun of him. That's what he was doing anyway. And, and the Philistine looked, verse 42, looked about and saw David, and he disdained him for he was but a youth and a, ready, and a fair counselor. If you remember, we didn't read the part, but you go back and find Goliath challenged Israel, was not only making fun of their God, but he said, hey, you got to just send one man out. And after they're shared, it's like, well, do we take it? They should have ignored it. If they were going to attack as an army, they should have attacked. But, but they, they, got, they got spooked by his challenge. And uh, mental game from from a uh, uh, back, you know, um, you play chess or I think fighting in martial arts and things like that. For example, you got um, there's a place that confident, not arrogance, but confidence as, as, a, as a person walks out, maybe into the ring to fight or 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 you're playing a game or a competition or or a team sport and you walk out and you have that confidence. Hey, we've trained, we've prepared, we're ready, we know what's going on. You walk out of the confidence. That right there starts messing with the opponent's mind and gives you that. And, and that's what Goliath did. He come out tragic. He just sent one man out to fight me. And then we'll just be done with this battle and, 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 and go on. Well, of course Israel knew it one-on-one -on -one they couldn't beat Goliath. And that makes sense. That part of their fear was justified. Um, they should have just come up with another plan, but but they they come out and so so now the one person is coming out and the Philistine um, saw David and uh, and forty three and the Philistine said unto David, "Am I a dog that comes to me with staffs?" And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, "Come to me, and I'll give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field." And I like this, verse 45, see, David knew, before he went to Saul, he knew he was fighting with God, and God was there, and he was defending the name of God, if you will. Then said David to the Philistines, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. And the verse, it's like, this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thy head from thee, and I'll give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with the sword and the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And of course, we know the, the rest of the fight where the, the, they, they ran toward each other. David took the, took the sling out through the stone. God directed the stone. I, I kind of believe the wording of it when it said he got hit with the stone. It sunk into his forehead, it said. Um, I'm not sure that the velocity of a sling is really that strong. And uh, then it said he, Goliath fell on his face. And uh, so I, I think God just took David's faith. And as the stone got close to Goliath, I think God just kind of smacked Goliath in the back of the head and knocked him down. But uh, they, God was in it and David knew it. So David took on Goliath and said, hey, this day the Lord will deliver thee into my hands. And David's confidence was in God. David wasn't arrogant. Oh, I beat a lion and a bear up so I can do this. It's like, um, the truth is, if, 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 if it wasn't for God... Even if David, maybe it was a small, the Bible doesn't say how big the lion was or how big the bear was. Um, maybe, you know, David was just tough for his age and, and, and had courage and, and, and he, he went and, and killed those animals. Um, Goliath was not the same. If David could kill a lion and a bear, Goliath probably could have too. Um, but, but that's not what's happening here.
David said, this is about God. And this is, remember back when um, David, in verse 29, when David was talking to his brother, looked at his brother and said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? He posed that question. This is the cause, he's telling Goliath, he said, this day the Lord will deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee. And I'll give the carcass of the host of the Philistines, this day unto the fowl of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. And notice that last line, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That is David's cause. Um, sometimes we get hooked up, and that's what, what's wrong with some of the groups out there and, 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 and teaching all this faith word stuff and think we can get. Or just say there used to be years ago, there was a, there was a, a, a book out, and this guy almost made a church. I think he claimed to be a preacher. I don't, I don't know the whole story. That uh, came up, and he, he had this book, uh, The Power of Positive Thinking. And he almost made a religion out of teaching this. And, and just think positive, and it'll happen. And that's not how it works. I believe there's enough Bibles that we need to think positive, sure, and go through our life positive based on the Word of God, but, but, but thinking positive is not, just thinking it is not going to change my world. And it certainly isn't something to be preached. And in that sense, the idea is wrong. But there's all these things out there that go on, and, and, and the truth is the world looks at us, and the world looks at us, I have a conversation with people, and it's getting more and more as churches are getting weaker, that, that people look at, and I've had people ask, well, what's the difference between between Baptist and Catholic or Baptist and this or this group and that group. And well, aren't we all the same? Don't we all believe in God? And, and, and then we have to explain the differences. But the biggest difference is what is their approach in getting? Notice Saul, even though David explained to Saul, this is what God did for me in the past. I was taking care of sheep. It was a sheep, and I killed the lion and the bear because I, I had to, I saved that sheep, and and the Philistine's going to be no different. And 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 even with the explanation of how God has worked in his life in the past, Saul still tried to interject on David his way. Well, you need to take my armor then. Um, you still need to have armor, and and here's my armor, even though it doesn't fit right, and even though it doesn't work quite right, and 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 you haven't proved him, and Saul still tried to interject his view and what David knew, what he could trust God with, and and we need to get back to showing the world. The world needs to see not every religion get together. That's of course we know Revelation, the end. That's part of it, where where it's going to head, and 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 all this unity talk. You don't find that kind of talk in the Bible. The Bible's separate, not, not mean, not, not hateful, not against people, but separate from the world and, and show that the world can look at my life and see that there's a God in heaven that thinks different than the world and God is still in control. The problem is through politics and, and communism, socialism, basically a religion, you're supposed to trust the government over God and, and, and all these different religions. Well, if we all have the same God, it doesn't matter how we get there. We can all worship our own way and we can all do this. Then in effect, according to those in charge and the, and the government and religion and, and atheists and the group, if everyone can be in unity and everyone can work together and say they worship God the same, if that was true, then God isn't actually real at all. It's just a philosophy. It's just an idea. It's just something to make you feel better. 
And that's what they're pushing. That's why the harm. When we give the truth, and that's why we get attacked like David did. That's why we get put down. And that's why we try to get cast aside. And that's why they try to push people out is because the truth says there is a God. And that's what happened with, with when evolution came in the late 1800s. Evolution started being, being a thing. The whole idea is how do we explain our existence without God? That's where it started with. And, and it blew up to all kinds of crazy humanist ideas. But the underlying issue is trying to live without God. Your religion's okay. Just don't make it too personal. You, you, having a religion's okay. Just don't let God do anything big in your life because you'll, you'll bother other people. Don't talk about Jesus too much because you might offend somebody. But, but don't, don't do it. David looked back and said, when he said that the alive, he said, is there not a cause? His cause is that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And, and, and how does our life show God, our testimony, when we look at how we live for God, when we look at how we, we, we want to serve God or have God help out, all the blessings in the Bible are, are contingent on an element of obedience. But if our goal, if our cause is not to show people that there is a God, you can't have salvation if you don't believe in God. I was so wondering with a person one time from another church we were visiting when we were on deputation, and this guy was in charge of one of their ministries. He should have known a little something. And, and it was interesting. This guy trying to win, and we're at his door, and he's trying to go through the Romans road and the, the gospel and, and trying to, well, can I show you how you know you go to heaven? He said, I don't believe in heaven. I said, I don't believe in God. And this guy proceeded to go through the verses. Well, you know, you know, you're a sinner, and and that for that all have sinned, and and the guy, I don't believe in God. And and he went through. Well, Jesus died on the cross. He went through all the verses we use to witness to somebody. After every single verse, the guy's like, I don't believe in God. And then the guy still tried to get him to, hey, well, you know, if you'll just pray and ask Jesus to save you, he'll get saved. And I don't believe in God. Like you need to back up a little bit. Can't have someone pray and ask something from if he doesn't believe. I understand salvation is about Christ. Salvation is what Christ did on the cross. Salvation is believing in that gift and accepting that gift that Christ is the one that died in my place for my sins. And, and salvation is that simple and in that context. But, but, but if you don't believe in God in the first place, how do you believe that Jesus is God? And, and uh, that's where some of our life needs to get back where David said, is there not a cause? Our cause needs to be to show the world that God is real. And we do that by making it personal and saying, God is real in my life. And when I trust, when I have a heartache, when I have a burden, when I have a hardship, um, when I have a need, when I have a crisis, when I have a, when things are going good, I can pray that everything I do is show, I need to show the world that God is real. With that, let's, let's stand. Just a thought as we leave today. What is your cause? Uh, is our cause a problem? A lot of these modern religions try to make it about oh, this is what I want to do with my life, and somehow twist it to think, uh, God just must want me to be happy, so whatever I want to do with, it, with my life, good, bad, or otherwise, um, must be God's will, because that, that's not how it works. My cause needs to be about God. Now, if God may work on changing my desires, God, God may do some change in me to get there. Um, we're willing, but my cause needs to be about things of God, and to show the world that there is a God, 
And as we go with that challenge, we'll close it. We'll just close in prayer and just think about as we go through this week, how are we looking at God and God working specifically in my life? More importantly, how can I obey God so that somebody around me can see that God is real in my life? Let's pray. God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you um, for this example and challenge in your word. God, I pray that you'll um, help us. God, give, it, give us strength, give us peace, uh, give us rest, uh, give us courage uh, to do what's right as we go live for you this week. And that will show the world that you are real. You are the God. Uh, you are the real God, but you're real in our life so that someone can see it. God, I pray that you'll bless us, help us as we serve you this week. In Jesus' name, amen.